This evening we're going to consider a child is born. A child is born. Genesis chapter 21 verse 1 through to 21. We're going to look at a, a few verses in that portion of scripture. I don't know if I'm speaking for myself here. I'm assuming I'm not the only one. I don't know if there are particular meals that you you really enjoy. But even so you enjoy them, you tend to opt for what is most convenient and what is quickest when it comes to food. For example, I might be wrong, but from what I've seen, from when I've been there, I would guess that the busiest restaurant on the island, the busiest eatery, is a, a burger joint in Douglas with a drive through Very busy place. Very convenient, very quick. As for drinks, again, speaking personally, I enjoy drinking coffee. I've got a cafetiere at home. But most of all, I've got um, a stove coffee pot. But it's all a bit time-consuming, a bit of washing up afterwards. And so what happens in the morning is I tend to reach for the jar of instant coffee. Again, it's more convenient. It's much quicker. What about tea? Who actually bothers to make tea in a teapot anymore? Maybe some people do. Good on you if you do. Loose leaves, loose leaves in a, a teapot. It would see more people than I, I imagined still do it the good old-fashioned way. No doubt you people even put a tea cosy on your pot. I don't know. No. I thought I'd get you in the end. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people, what they do now, instead of the teapot and the loose tea... What do they do? They throw a tea bag in a cup and even then they can't be bothered to wait for the tea to brew. They'll squeeze the living daylights out of the tea bag against the inside of the cup and speed up the whole process uh, in order to have a cup of tea. When it comes to gathering information, when I was growing up, at home we had a, a, a whole set of encyclopedias. I loved those books. Books of knowledge. And I used to love digging for information in the books of knowledge. I'd just think of things to look for in in those books. And um, it was good fun looking at it all. It's very different now, isn't it? What do you do if you want to know something? You just do a quick Google search. Um, as for encyclopedias, you you might or you probably have a quick look at Wikipedia online and uh, I, I might as well tell you it's not always accurate but it, it's it's convenient and it's quick. Consequently I would suspect that people are not as patient nowadays as they used to be. We want everything immediately and we get very frustrated very impatient, very quickly. 
coming to our passage, Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. First of all, we see that a son is born to 100-year-old Abraham and his 90-year-old wife, Sarah. Imagine receiving a promise from God and then waiting 25 years before that promise was finally seen to be taking shape. Because that's what happened with Abraham and Sarah. And we've been through it all, but by way of reminder, you'd have to go back to chapter 12, where the Lord first made a promise to Abraham that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. At that time, Abraham, as his name was, was 75 years of age and his wife was 65. They had no children. And yet Abraham received a promise that in him all families of the earth would be blessed. Work that one out. The promise was repeated a few chapters on in chapter 15 with the Lord saying to Abraham, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Again, this promise is made to an old man, Abraham, who had no children, and his wife, Sarah, who was barren. Look towards heaven and tell the stars, count the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so thou, so shall thy seed be. Ten years after the promise of blessings was given, Abraham and Sarah were still childless. And so they took matters into their own hands, with Abraham going into Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, and having a son by her, when Abraham was 86 years of age. Hagar bare a child and his name was called Ishmael. After another 13 years, when Abraham was 99 years old and Sarah was 89, the Lord told them that Sarah would bear a child and call his name Isaac. So we actually get the name given there. Not only will you have a child, his name shall be called Isaac. Furthermore, the Lord made it clear that with regard to the promise of blessings in Abraham and his seed, he would establish his covenant with Isaac and not with the child of the bondwoman, Hagar, the child being Ishmael. Although Abraham did believe that his wife would bear a child, his response was one of laughter, you may recall. According to Genesis chapter 17 and verse 17, Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? 
and shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? You have to understand here, that wasn't unbelief. He was simply asking. He couldn't understand it, how it would be possible. According to John Calvin, Abraham laughed, not because he either despised or rejected the promise of God, but, as is commonly wont to happen in things which are least expected, for a short time he is confounded, yet he humbles himself before God, and with confused mind prostrating himself on the earth, he by faith adores the power of God. As for Sarah and her response, we read in the very next chapter, the Lord appeared unto Abraham in his tent in the heat of the day and said unto him, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. Sarah, she was listening in, she overheard what was said and she laughed within herself saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? However, she wasn't so convinced. Again, quoting John Calvin, he said, Having fixed her thoughts too much on the accustomed order of nature, she did not give glory to God by expecting from him a miracle which she was unable to conceive in her mind. So, it's not so much the laughter, it's what's going on in the heart. And we know that Abraham believed and that faith was his righteousness before God. Whereas Sarah, she fixed her thoughts too much on on the natural things and not on the fact that God is the God of miracles. Finally, after 25 long years from when that promise of God of blessings for all the families of the earth in Abraham and his seed was originally given, we read in Genesis chapter 21 and verse 6, And Sarah said, God have made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. Once again we see Sarah laughing, but this this was different. This time it was a laughter of joy and thankfulness to God after she gave birth to her son Isaac. And that joyful laughter was shared by all who heard about it. Most fittingly, the name Isaac means laughter. But when I was reading that, I was thinking of Mary. Sarah, she laughed with joy after her son Isaac was born. What about Mary? She rejoiced before the Lord Jesus Christ was born. She, my soul have rejoiced in God my Saviour, she said, when she received the news that she would bear a son. But anyway, finally, after all those years, we see Sarah giving birth to a son in her own old age, she who was barren, and she rejoiced. No longer in unbelief, but with joy. And all those who heard would have rejoiced with her. So, 
by way of application, again, it was 25 long years from the time that the Lord first promised blessings for all the families of the earth that they would be blessed in Abraham and his seed. When And then when Isaac was born, we need to remember that both Abraham and Sarah were both old and she had been barren up to that time. Two things come to mind when considering this. We do well not to limit what God is able to do. I'm sure you'd say, well, we don't do that, but we can do that and we do do that. How often do we limit what God can do, even though he is God and we know that and that he is the God of miracles? Let's not forget, uh, forget rather that God created everything in six days and that includes forming Adam from the dust of the ground. Thinking about Sarah bearing a child uh, when she was eighty, uh, when she was ninety years old, rather ninety years old. Again, God, He formed Adam from the dust of the earth. As for Adam's wife Eve, she was made from one of his ribs. Therefore, why would it be too much for God to give Abraham and Sarah a son in their old age? Also, God does not pander to our timetable. He does everything in his perfect time. 25 years from the time the promise was given to the time that finally Sarah gave birth to a child, to a son. Well, thinking about creation, God could have taken... Much longer than six days. He took six days. He could have taken longer. On the other hand, God God could have created the heaven and the earth in an instant. But in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. We have that in the scriptures for us. Very clear, six days of creation. As for the time that the children of Israel sojourned in Egypt before the Lord delivered them. What ever thought of that one? According to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 41. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. You can't get any more precise than that, can you? 430 years, even the selfsame day. Exodus chapter 12, verse 41. And it was in God's perfect time. Just as it was in God's perfect time when Isaac was born. Also, Talking about perfect time. What about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the promised seed of Abraham? Again, promises of blessing in Abraham and his seed. And when the seed finally came into the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, we read in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, 
But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son in God's perfect time. And surely the miraculous conception of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, and he's being brought forth by a virgin, was infinitely greater than the birth of Isaac, whose mother was 90 years old and whose father was a 100, as great a miracle as that was. When the Son of God came into the world as a little baby, he came to save sinners. Furthermore, he is coming again. And when he comes again, guess what? It will be in God's perfect time. Just as it was the first time. Even so, there are many who dismiss the second coming of Christ. They are scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You can almost hear them laughing in unbelief at the, the, the very thought of the Lord Jesus Christ coming again. There's no excuse for scoffing, dismissing the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the final day of judgment. No excuse at all. God has already judged the whole earth in Noah's time. And that judgment points to a time like a big signpost. It points to a time appointed by God when Jesus will come again in judgment. Also, the Lord Jesus Christ has himself spoken very clearly about his coming again, not to save sinners, but to judge the living and the dead. He speaks extensively about it in Matthew chapter 25, when he shall come again with his holy angels and sit upon his throne of glory and he will separate the nations that he will have the sheep on his right, the, the goats on his left, and he will say to the sheep, come you who are blessed of my father, and receive the kingdom that was that's given to you, an everlasting kingdom. They will go away, they will depart into everlasting life but what about the goats they will depart as well they will be cast into the fire prepared for the devil and his angels they will depart into everlasting torment it's all there Jesus speaks about it very clearly in Matthew's gospel so, even so, people scoff at the very thought of Jesus coming again. Secondly, we see that the bondwoman and her son Ishmael are cast out. We'll have a look at Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 through to 10. And the child grew and was weaned 
And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. By the time that Isaac was weaned, he would have been about two years of age, which means that his older half-brother Ishmael would have been about 16. We've seen that Sarah laughed with joy and thanksgiving to God at the birth of Isaac, but now we see some other laughter. Same Hebrew word, but it's the, the translation isn't laughter. We see it written as mocking. Sarah laughed in verse 6. But we see in verse 9, the son of Hagar, Ishmael, mocking his younger brother. And that was at the feast that Abraham prepared for Isaac after he'd been weaned. And we see the response of Sarah. Sarah responded in a very extreme manner by, it seems like she was commanding Abraham to cast out the bondwoman and her son. You might be inclined to think that Sarah, who ought to have been in subjection to her husband, overstepped the mark by telling him what to do there. However, in the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Sarah is commended as one who was in subjection to her husband. She obeyed him. She even called him Lord. Also, you might think that Sarah was a tad harsh towards Hagar and Ishmael. However, it's as well to appreciate that there was something very serious at stake. Remember that Ishmael's birth was the consequence of human decisions. When Sarah and Abraham took matters into their own hands and they tried to speed up, they tried to expedite God's promise of blessings in Abraham and his seed. They took matters into their own hands. Despite their interference, Isaac was brought forth by Sarah 14 years after the birth of Ishmael. With that in mind, Hagar and Ishmael, they really did have to go. And those words of Sarah, cast out the bondwoman and her son, can be seen as having been directed or spoken, not so much by Sarah, but by God. For example, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 30, the Apostle Paul speaking about it, he doesn't say, what saith Sarah cast out the bondwoman and her son? Rather, Paul says, nevertheless, what saith the scripture cast out the bondwoman and her son? For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. There's an important lesson for all of us all these many years later. God has promised spiritual 
and everlasting blessings in his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the seed of Abraham. I say that because the Apostle Paul explained many years after the promise was given to Abraham. This is what Paul said. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. So the Apostle Paul, he explained who Abraham's seed is, and he gave that explanation over 2,000 years after the promise was given to Abraham, that the seed of Abraham is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you belong to Jesus, if you're baptised in him, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And the promised seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, he would not descend from the slave woman, Hagar, but from the free woman, Sarah, in accordance with God's unchangeable decree. And that means that all who belong to Jesus, believing that he has delivered them, that Jesus has set them free from their sin, from Satan and death by his perfect obedience to the Lord's demands in life and in his sacrificial death at the cross, they are all children of the free woman. That's you. If you belong to Jesus, you're a child of the free woman. Sarah, who was made a princess of the nations, a mother of the nations. And if that is not you, if you are not, if you do not belong to Jesus, who is the seed of Abraham, the day will come when you will be cast out. We see Hagar and her son Ishmael being cast out. Sarah said to her husband to cast them out and we see that that was according to the will of God. They were cast out. And you too, the day will come when you will be cast out. You will be cast into the lake of fire where you will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And therefore I say unto you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and for your acceptance before the God of Abraham and Isaac and you will be saved. Amen.